recently retired from the Broward uh, Fire Rescue Florida after 29 years of service throughout the ranks. He served as both deputy and assistant fire chief. He's got a master's degree in executive fire service leadership. He is a member on the board of directors for uh, the International Association of Fire Chiefs Safety, Health, and Survival Section. He's also been a peer reviewer for uh, FEMA and SAFER Research and Development Grants. Uh, he served as a contributor to the IAFC Healthcare Providers Guide to Firefighter Physicals. He's also organized and founded the National Surviving the Fire Service Conference held annually in South Florida. And uh, like I said, he's recently retired, but not really, because he joined uh, LifeScan Wellness as their chief strategy officer, uh, effective uh, June 2nd of this year. So with that, pretty good intro. You got a lot of stuff going on there. How's it going? Good. Thanks. Thanks for the very kind uh, or, overview. Uh, it's an honor to, to join you uh, today. And uh, as you pointed out, I had a uh, been just blessed to have a, a wonderful career in uh, Broward County, a large uh, county of about two million residents and a metro department of uh, just under 800 uh, firefighter paramedics. And uh, uh, a privilege to serve there for close to three decades and uh, uh, I'm as on it as as you mentioned. I had a very short uh, tenure of retirement, enough for uh, 18 holes of uh, golf, <laughs> um, and then I joined uh, LifeScan Wellness Centers, which uh, some folks may be familiar with. Uh, they're about a two-decade-old uh, privately held company based uh, headquartered in Florida, uh, but they do exclusively public safety uh, uh, physicals, uh, NFPA 1582, 1583. Uh, incorporating uh, early detection, uh, advanced chemistry, blood uh, analysis, uh, exercise physiology assessment, nutrition, behavioral health screening. So very comprehensive, about a three-hour exam for each member. And uh, they do about 40,000 firefighters uh, across the country in 21 states. So it's a privilege to work with them in that domain to continue to uh, um, have early detection be part of the solution for reducing line of duty deaths in, uh, in our service. That's perfect. And, that, and that's why I love having you on here. The, there's really two keys to whenever I preach about this firefighter cancer stuff. Number one, I always talk about reducing your exposure and I go into all sorts of details about that. But the second key is early detection, you know, finding that, that illness, that cancer early on. And that's, that's really where you come into play with this. So I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's they're really hand in hand. Um, you know, I'm sure like like you, um, I tell people all the time. I've attended far more funerals than I ever uh, anticipated when I entered the service and since I became a chief. And uh, when I look back, unfortunately, many of them um, had we been um, at, at a point where we were uh, employing more uh, stringent risk mit mitigation strategies and maybe a little bit more diligent with early detection could have been prevented. So uh, uh, I do it as a passion uh, to those that we've lost. And, uh, um, you know, when I look at uh, the continued line of duty losses, you know, the big three um, in the, our service, as you know, are uh, cancer, certainly cardiovascular deaths and uh, behavioral health, ultimately at the far end of the spectrum being suicide. So, uh, uh, that certainly is part of the, the solution, and uh, it's an honor for me to continue uh, serving uh, in my new capacity, uh, bringing early detection to not only metro departments, but medium-sized and even small role departments throughout the country. 
Nice, very nice. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever heard anything said like this before, what I'm about to say, but I, I've always kind of, when I talk to cities, townships, municipalities, whatever it may be, I, and I've discussed firefighter physicals, I talk to them about their, their fire apparatus. You, know, you buy yourself a million-dollar ladder truck or half-million-dollar fire engine, and with that, you do preventative maintenance for years and years because you want that to last. You want that, that apparatus to be there 20, 25 years. I mean, it may not be a front line the whole time, but at least it's, it's there, and, and you, you have it if you need it. I kind of view the firefighters as kind of the same model. You know, we're an investment. You want us to last. In order to do that, you need to have the preventative maintenance. And that's where the physicals really come through. You know, just if you're able to catch something early on, it's much cheaper to fix. You know, quality of life is there. Um, You're able to go back to work. It's the longer it waits, the more expensive that can be. And it may not even, uh, we just... My city just basically gave up on on a, a ladder truck. Said that's not worth it. We've we've paid twice what we paid for it initially. We're we're done with it. So we don't want that to happen with our firefighters. So preventive maintenance, annual physicals, annual skin exams, that's all part of it. Do you have you ever heard anything kind of like that said that way? Yeah, I I, I certainly have, and uh, I'm glad to hear you echoing it. Um, you know, unfortunately, we still hear you know cost is a barrier. And uh, you're absolutely right. I had a a wise uh, mentor tell me not long ago that if you don't have uh, healthy firefighters, you you don't have a fire department. And um, there's a lot of truth to be said for that. So whether you look at the cost of uh, equipping a firefighter, you know, we're talking thousands of dollars with bunker gear and SCBA and tools. If you look at the cost of a, a dress uniform, we're talking uh, hundreds of dollars, um, to uh, to equip a, a firefighter, and uh, literally the cost of a NFPA 1582 physical um, pales in comparison to some of those costs. And you're absolutely right. The um, not only the the humanistic aspect of uh, finding uh, diseases early. We know that if you find a stage one cancer, in in most cases, uh, survival rates are uh, in the high 90s for, for five-year survival. If uh, obviously you find a later stage where it's grown past the site of origin and, and into other organs, uh, the survival rates, as you know, dramatically decrease and decrease um, very quickly and sharply. Um, and, the, and the same on the cost. I hate to be, you know, the bean counter, but when, when people talk about cost, um the Rand Corporation has done uh, a study that is is very compelling. It, it shows the the cost of treating a cancer at its very earliest stage, stage one, where it's still in the uh, um, the primary site of origin, versus a, a later stage again where it's spread into other organs and vessels. And the the cost differences are phenomenal. Uh, stage one being uh, upwards of 200000 a stage three or four uh, pushing close to a million dollars, and, and again, a million dollars of cost, but also the survival rates for those stage three and four are just dismal. So uh, this has all been my mind about, just as you said, uh, treating our firefighters like they're our most valuable resource, and it, it needs to be more than a talking point, it needs to be a, a priority. It's, you know, discouraging somewhat. Um, 
when we've looked through the IFC, we've done some national surveys at uh, how many firefighters are still not receiving uh, an annual physical. The numbers are high, uh, particularly in our volunteer populations. And uh, uh, that doesn't even account for uh, members that may be receiving a physical, but not one that's occupationally appropriate for a firefighter. So uh, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, I give kudos to uh, organizations like yours and podcasts like uh, uh, this one here that are helping to uh, continue to spread the message. And, you know, it, it is changing. I can tell you, uh, traveling the country, um, speaking on this topic, you mentioned the National Surviving the Fire Service. We're doing regional presentations around the country in conjunction with uh, a soon-to-be-published Penwell book um, on the same title. Um, and and you, you can tell there's a lot more talk today about, you know, early detection, awareness, prevention. Um, so we're, it, it is changing. Um, we, we just need to continue to reinforce to our leaders that uh, there, there is really no higher priority. And your analogies hit it right on the, the head in terms of uh, uh, tools and, and things are necessary, but none of it occurs without people. Sure. Excellent. Now, um, staying on the physical topic, um, I this is, again, my, my personal belief, uh, just opinion. Having a department physical where you're you're looking at all your members and it's the same doctor looking at them and there's some consistency is really the way to go. Uh, with that being said, you can you know, you'll be able to follow things up every year, going you know year after year. Well, let's let's look back a couple of years and see uh, what your levels were there. Um, the problem is a lot of times when we go to and I've ran into this myself when I go to my family doctor and I try to get them to be more aggressive. Uh, they really don't know about us as firefighters. We're kind of a special breed. We obviously get exposed to lots of different things that normal normal citizens don't don't have. So um, even when I've brought uh, the WFI exam or uh, the IFAC uh, physical is a great resource as well that kind of spells it out and, and tells the provider, hey, uh, this person's a firefighter. They're exposed to a lot of different things. You need to be more aggressive than you typically would. It still doesn't always work out that way because it ends up you have a bigger cost associated with it to where you might have a free physical if you're a normal normal person, but for for what we need, it's more expensive than that. And and trying to get insurance to justify and allow it is is certainly a process. So that's why again the department physicals really come into play. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And um we have done a tremendous amount of work uh, on trying to educate uh, the clinical community on the unique occupational health needs of firefighters. Um, one challenge, as you pointed out, is uh, the national uh, uniform preventative health guidelines that are out there uh, that insurance and providers gravitate to um, as to what testing should be done. Uh, at what ages, uh, those are all based on general population studies. Um, so that's, you know, folks that aren't exposed to the toxic soup of chemicals that firefighters are routinely, nor the shift work, nor the, the uh, stressors, nor the sleep deprivation, uh, all the things that come with, with uh, our, our service uh, that impact our health. So, um, one of the things, and uh, you know, LifeScan has been tremendous at doing is uh, 
adopting the model of uh, incorporating uh, public safety specific screenings, whether that be um, some of the uh, the labs that we're using um, are, are more aggressive than traditionally you would you would use in general population, whether that be some of the uh, um, uh, ultrasound echo imaging, looking at the cardiovascular function of the left ventricle and the heart uh, uh, screening for masses uh, and other organs, uh, you know, is is that a department physical? So it's not it's not based on um, insurance reimbursement. It's goes back to what what you just said uh, earlier was it's literally a, a relatively very small price wise uh, investment in an annual uh, maintenance check of your firefighters. And you, you hit, again, the nail right on the head when you do that every year. Um, even subtle changes that uh, clinically may not be picked up on if, if it was in a vacuum, when you've got baseline um, uh, data that you have from an, an early physical, subtle changes in the context of, you know, a firefighter fighter being a tactical athlete or a firefighter being at very high risk for occupational cancer. Um, those are things that uh, you're going to catch at the very earliest stages, and, and quite frankly, have the best outcomes. That you know, I know in Broward County, my former department, we used the LifeScan for our physicals for about 10 years, and uh, I've got a number of members that had uh, tremendous early detection success. Um, they went, uh, followed up, had a, a procedure done, and then we're back on the line. Uh, completely cancer-free within a very short amount of time. And not only did it um, take a take a great uh, employee and uh, relieve them of all the the anxiety and stress of a long battle with cancer, but it also got them back to the job they love quickly. That's perfect. Yeah, that's that's the goal. Um, you mentioned a minute ago, and I, and I kind of wanted to go back to it. You you mentioned your book that you have coming out. And, uh, and also the, the tour with that, I'd love for you to go in a little bit more details uh, about uh, about the book, the, the process, putting it together, and then and then what you have coming on, kind of um, coming off of that book. Sure. Uh, um, it's actually, uh, for me, a very, very exciting uh, project. It's one I've uh, uh, dreamt of and, and talked about and planned for, but never was able to fully execute for many years. Um, and then I, I kind of uh, retooled my thinking and said, uh, you know, um, really um, having been on the, the board of the IFC for a number of years and having been very active in uh, the health and wellness community, the fire service, I, I knew both his friends and colleagues, uh, most of the leading subject matter experts um, in all the different areas that are affecting firefighters. So uh, I, I reached out to my dear friend and, and uh, mentor, Bobby Halton. Many of you know is uh, editor-in-chief of Fire Engineering Magazine and also the uh, the ringmaster, if you will, for uh, FDIC every year. Um, and I floated the idea about uh, I would serve as editor uh, of a book, Surviving the Fire Service. And um, together we would pull together um, the nation's leading um minds around each of the areas that are literally affecting and in many cases killing firefighters. So uh, uh, with that said, uh, reached out to a number of folks, very uh, names that everyone would recognize, uh, Bobby Halton being one of them, uh, talking about behavioral health, 
uh, Dr. Sarajenki, uh, uh, Drs. Denise Smith and Gavin Horn, who have done a tremendous amount of work on uh, heat stress in firefighters, cardiovascular uh, disease in firefighters, fireground behavior. Uh, Chief Jeff Johnson, who uh, retired out of Kansas City uh, Fire Department, is now the chief of Newport News, uh, talking about fireground dynamics and survival. Uh, we've got topics on cancer from the Firefighter Cancer Support Network and their president, Brian Feeders, um, tactical athletes, nutrition, um, resiliency. So the, the thought process on this is kind of a Bible of uh, fire service survival. Uh, that uh, from from the new rookie and the rookie's family, um, all the way through the most senior firefighters, how to how to get to the end of your career, enjoy a long retirement, and be healthy. Um, so I floated this in a in an hour conversation with Bobby Halton, and that was in uh, 2017. I'm anticipating the book will be released here within the next quarter, um, and we're excited about it. We've uh, started we did our first two-day surviving the fire service uh, workshop with some of the authors out for the state of oregon in may it was tremendously received we had a packed room of uh, industry thought leaders from the west coast and uh, we have our second one coming up uh, in dr sarah janke's uh, backyard uh, in kansas city september 13th so uh, we believe the u.s fire administrator will be uh, attending Chief uh, Billy Goldfeder and some others to uh, to help us promote uh, uh, getting the word out. So it's just kind of packaging a lot of the things that are out there uh, and bringing it all together in one um, one book that can uh, really shed light on. We don't, we don't need to be afraid of the fire service profession. As Bobby says, we're, we're not being victimized, but uh, we need to be smart about how we protect ourselves. And uh, you know, firefighters are great that if we give them the knowledge, they'll do what it takes. So that's what this book is about. Well, it sounds like a great book. I mean, just, just for the average firefighter to read, but also I, I would be interested in, in seeing the, trying to get this book on actual promotional list as well. So, I mean, you know, everybody that wants to promote actually kind of read it and, and really get the big picture and be able to pass that on to the firefighters they may be in charge of one day. That that's absolutely uh, absolutely a great point. Uh, you know, it's it's about as I as I just mentioned, uh, uh, awareness is uh, uh, much of the battle. That uh, you know, people want to want to enjoy their passion of, of the fire service, but at the same time, uh, if we tell them what they need to know to protect themselves, uh, and then our officers, you know, hold each other accountable and their their crews accountable, um, we know it's going to dramatically. Uh, make us a, a safer fire service, a healthier fire service, and uh, still do what we love, um, but survive it uh, throughout the, a long and uh, healthy retirement. Perfect, perfect. Now, uh, staying on these this physical, um, going back to this physical topic, I guess, one of the things that I think is, is unique, because again, you, what you're trying to do is a big picture thing, but you've actually included behavioral health in these physicals that you're doing as well, which is to me uh, unique, much needed. Um, I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we really, as I as I painted the picture earlier, I kind of call it the three-legged stool. I think I've actually coined that. I've written about it. It's been published on Fire Engineering Firehouse. Um, you know, the three-legged stool is largely 
where we're losing firefighters and largely, sadly, preventable. So cancer, cardiac and, and behavioral health, ultimately suicide, although we know that's the far end of the spectrum issues such as uh, stress, uh, substance abuse, sleeping disorders, um, post-traumatic stress injury or disorder are all precursors leading up to, you know, the the rates of behavioral health issues that we see. You know, there's one study that's that's always referenced that uh, uh, looked at professional firefighters, career firefighters, a sampling. Uh, one out of every two, 49 percent, said that at some point in their career um, they had considered suicide. Um, and approximately mid-teens, I believe it was 16 percent, said it, at some point they actually had made one attempt um, at suicide. Uh, we have other studies saying the, the rates of post-traumatic uh, trauma disorder in firefighters are have been reported as high as 37 percent, similar to vets returning from combat. Um, so all three of those are are detectable at early stages uh, through evidence-based uh, screening tools. Um, and we know that once identified, there's treatments out there that um, if followed and, and appropriately applied, um, provides a good outcome as firefighters can continue their career and service and do it, you know, in a, in a way that's safe and healthy. So uh, what we've done at LifeScan is, uh, since I've come on board uh, as chief strategy officer, is taking a look at what we were doing. We've partnered with some, um, some minds far smarter than myself on this topic, uh, Dr. Jenke being one of them. Um, uh, Nova Southeastern University, which is a large uh, private university here in South Florida that has a public safety psychology program, and Elena Brunacini, who's a clinical psychologist and uh, granddaughter of, of the late uh, icon of the fire service, Alan Brunacini, Chief uh, Bruno. Um, and uh, we've, we've taken some guidance from them. We've bounced uh, some of the ideas off of them, and we've uh, enhanced uh, some of our um, evidence-based screening tools um, that we are incorporating into our physicals. Uh, NOVA has actually done a tremendous amount of research uh, with firefighters while I was at Broward um, as a partner. So the, the tools that were out there, some of them were public safety, but lean more towards law enforcement. Um, so they've actually done some work to uh, uh, refine some of those tools to be fire specific. Some of them even looking at firefighter retirees. Um, and then uh, once we've identified those, um, we are uh, providing firefighters with uh, a toolbox is what we're calling of resources that are out there. And there, you know, again, there's no need to recreate the wheel. There's tremendous resources um, work that's been done by the IFF, the uh, Recovery Center of Excellence, National Volunteer Fire Council, IFC, uh, National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. So um, what we've tried to do is pull a lot of that together and provide uh, not only clinical resources within the community for follow-up and care, um, but uh, ongoing resources for behavioral wellness throughout the course of the year. So uh, uh, we're trying to, we're trying to elevate behavioral health to the same status as, as cancer and cardiac and making sure that early detection is something that's part of our exam. You know, firefighters need to be comfortable um, talking with their clinical provider and, and going through a self-assessment that's been validated to, uh, to detect struggles early on. And it's okay. Um, we, we hope that in the privacy of a clinical setting, 
Um, there's a lot more comfort with um, with going through those screenings and then having a candid dialogue with clinicians that do nothing but deal with police and fire. They understand the challenges. They understand it's a difficult job and there's stressors that uh, other occupations just don't see. Um, sure. and, and those take a toll when they're repetitive uh, time after time. Very nice. Uh, I, I love the topic, and I think it's so important. I know I, I talked to our assistant chief just the other day, and, and he what he said kind of resonated with me, and, and, I, and I'm glad that he gets it. He, he told me that when people leave our job, they are broken. We leave them broken, and we need to, to figure out a way to, to where they're not broken, where we're able to have stuff in place to kind of fix them and make sure that they're happy and they enjoy their retirement. So, all right. Well, on that note, I want to kind of switch yeah, no, that's things a, up. That's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, we the, the reality is, particularly with repetitive exposure to trauma, um, your risk just goes through the roof uh, for developing behavioral health disorders. So your your chief's uh, perspective is absolutely right. There's a preponderance to um, leave people broken, but there's also a ton of resources that we can put in place um, to blunt some of that exposure and uh, how we deal with it. Bobby's chapter in our book on post-traumatic growth and resiliency and mindfulness, all things that uh, in fire service we hardly have talked about. We we don't implement. The military has been far ahead of us on many of these topics, but it's evolving. So it's uh, we just want to elevate the focus like you're doing with your conference and you, what you're doing with this podcast is uh, we need to place behavior health at the same level as a physical injury, a cancer, or uh, any other, you know, occupational threat to us. Nice, yes. And you kind of gave me a little segue there. I appreciate that. And actually discussing our upcoming conference, uh, the 2019 uh, Firefighter Health and Wellness Conference for the Miami Valley, in which you actually, I'm dragging you away from Florida to come to Ohio, which is, it should be the opposite way, right? It's 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 my honor to uh, to do that. You know, it's uh, as I said, it's a it's a passion, uh, and I, I think I shared with you last time we we spoke. Um, I really uh, enjoy um, uh, regional uh, approaches. Not not that I don't have a, a wonderful time teaching at uh, FDIC or Firehouse every year, or I'll be speaking at uh, Fire Rescue International next week. Um, but oftentimes I find it's those regional conferences like we've done in Broward and like you're doing. Um, where we we get the ability to have really just um, great informal discussions, networking, boots on the ground. You know, listen, that's the the tip of the spare. Um, well, I'm speaking to uh, to leaders next week at FRI, and and I enjoy doing that. And we need to you know continue to uh, elevate the discussion with our leaders in the fire service. It's uh, you know let's be candid. It's the boots on the ground that have to implement. Um, and have to uh, take care of themselves to make sure that, uh, one, we get the job done, and two, we do it safely, and, and our, uh, our own health and priority um, is, is paramount. So if we look to anyone to, to do that, it's going to be the folks that, you know, are the tip of the spare and get the job done daily. So it's, uh, it's great that you're doing the conference. I'm really excited about coming out, and uh, uh, you've got a great lineup of, of speakers, and uh, I'm just proud to be a small part of it and uh, and talk about kind of what, what we've talked about today. Sure, sure. So, and, and I agree with you 100%. Uh, kind of going to the, the end user, uh, the actual people in the field, 
the guys doing guys and gals doing this job. That's I, that's huge. So uh, the conference, by the way, it's October 24th, 25th. It's in Beaver Creek, Ohio, right where I live conveniently for me, at least nobody else. But for me, um, we've got uh, Dr. Dave Griffin coming in from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, your friend, my friend, Dr. Sarah Janke. Uh, Dr. Kenny Fenn is making his way up from Cincinnati. Uh, flying in Jen Keir from Ottawa to, to talk about her research on firefighter cancer. we got Jeff Stahl talking about all, all the new stuff of our PPE. And uh, one of the interesting things, too, is, and you kind of touched on it before, we got Jacqueline Toomey from the First Responder Sleep Recovery Program to talk about all the different problems we have as firefighters with, with sleep, which I know I personally can attest, and especially since I worked last night and they beat me up pretty bad. But uh, all this uh, this conference, um, it's, uh, again, two days. It's $50 for both days. You can get tickets on brothershelpingbrothers.org. So that's my little plug on that. Now I actually want to get to potentially some funner stuff. Um, this show being called the 25, I actually came up with 25 random questions. So these aren't really related to cancer and any, really anything we talked about. These are, these are just absolutely just random, weird, whatever questions. So I uh, really to get, I guess to know you a little bit more. So with that being said, if you're up for it, you want to go over a few of these? Just go easy on me. That's all I, I know. Go, I know now. You, you knew you everything. Threw a, you, like, threw, you threw a trick question at me last I did. time we talked. I was, I, I was, I think, pretty quick on my feet, but go easy on me. It's early. It was good. It was good. So, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you choose your fate. So, you got everything's numbered from 1 to 25. So, you just got to throw out a number and I'll read it to you and you can go from there. And, and yes, this is, yeah. I'm not trying to trip you up or anything, but this is, to me, it could be kind of fun. How, how about, uh, is number one spoken for? No, no. I'll, I'll take, I'll take number one for a thousand then. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's see. I think, I think you'll be all right with this one. So what's the best food where you live? Like if I, if you were to invite me down there, where would you take me? You know, that, that, as much as it wouldn't seem um, to be a loaded question uh, for those, anyone that's traveled to uh, to South Florida uh, would certainly know it is a loaded question. Uh, just just from the fact that we are um, the cultural blending pot of, uh, I would say, the southern United States. We've got uh, two and a half million folks in Miami, largely uh, over 50 percent Latin American and European uh, Broward. County just north, which is Greater Fort Lauderdale, uh, where I worked uh, as uh, assistant and deputy chief for 30 years, is about two million. And same thing, just a, a melting pot in Palm Beach, where I live, um, is about uh, a million four. So um, we joke sometimes we're the sixth borough of New York City <laughs> because we're we're so large in size and population, and we have so many. Uh, transplanted New Yorkers from, from up north. But long, long-winded answer, I guess, would be we have so many choices. Um, but I would have to say, just because of the, the Latin influence um, from being a gateway to South America and uh, um, certainly a lot of, of Cuban um, uh, migration uh, early earlier in the uh, uh, 
80s and, and 90s from from Cuba uh, is probably the Latin food is is most unique here. So uh, and the the flair of it is anything from uh, Latin infused uh, seafood dishes to uh, black rice and beans with uh, uh, shredded pork. Uh, um, so it really is uh, chased down by flan or a a, a a probably as a health and wellness person I would I would be uh, uh, concerned about the the portion size of your your flan, but uh, some great desserts of uh, Latin influence in chased by a Cuban uh, espresso or Cuban cafe carlate uh, coffee. So um, food the food down here is wonderful and. Uh, um, you would be uh, remiss if you came to South Florida and didn't try a little of the uh, Latin Cuban influence. Nice, nice. That sounds great. All right, you you want to do one more? And I'm looking forward to the same question when I come up to Ohio. What our what our staples are? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I think for you, I I, I would give you options, and I would say, you know, you want steak? I got a steak place. If you want. Uh, uh, pizza, oh, amazing pizza. It's not New York, it's not Chicago, but it's still great pizza. I mean, Very nice. I have different categories, and we'd all have to, you know, it's kind of what you're in the mood for. I, I'd, I'd make happen. That sounds wonderful. I'll look forward to it. Nice. That's, I mean, yeah, we got good food, and we have uh, the, probably the biggest thing we have right there is the U, U.S. Uh, Air Force Museum, which is just, I mean, it's absolutely huge, and it's even got, uh, we didn't get a, we didn't get a space shuttle. We kind of got screwed out of that, but we do have all the Air Force Ones, which is really kind of oh, neat. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. I, I'm not sure what the uh, what the uh, logistics are with my time, but I certainly would love to. I'm a military history buff. I've had the honor of, uh, uh, through the Center for Public Safety Excellence uh, that accredits uh, fire departments, uh, I've had the um, absolute honor of doing some site visits as a peer reviewer for a Department of Defense um, fire departments uh, as far away as uh, uh, Okinawa, Japan, um, wow. that, that are going through the accreditation process to become accredited uh, fire departments. So love love to see uh, the history of our men and women in uniform. So if I can squeeze that in, I certainly uh, will add that to my agenda. Perfect. Perfect. All right, well, let me get you out of here on one more thing. Just give me one one more number, and we'll go from there. You know, I was born on uh, on the 13th, so a lucky 13. I'll take uh, 13 okay. for another thousand. All right, favorite holiday. See, that's not too that's not too hard. I didn't I didn't screw with you too bad. No, it's not bad at all. I would say, um, and again, that's a tough one for me because, uh, like everyone, I I enjoy the holidays as. Uh, Spending time with family and uh, um, being able to uh, focus on um, reflecting on what's important and the uh, the blessings we've received. Uh, uh, but I, I probably have a little twist on this one because I grew up in uh, um, just outside of Boston um, and went to my paramedic training in Boston and. Uh, uh, I had one Northeaster winter too many and decided to uh, to relocate to South Florida. Um, but having having grown up in, in Boston, uh, probably St. Patrick's Day, we do a, a large St. Patrick's Day uh, 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 celebration up in the Northeast. It's a lot of Irish uh, Catholics up in, 
up in that neck of the woods. And I really make a big uh, uh, party about it. And it's fun to see everyone come out. We, uh, here in South Florida, we have uh, a large, I think it's the largest uh, St. Patrick's Day parade south of Savannah. Savannah, uh, does, Georgia does a great job. But we've got one here in, in South Florida in Delray Beach that uh, you know, we have uh, just folks from across the country and internationally uh, come out with a strong fire department presence. So a lot of traditions, a lot of celebration, just uh, a lot of a lot of fun. And my one time a year, I get to have corned beef and cabbage and grain bears. So uh, that's a that's a fun one. And probably I'm unique in saying that, but uh, it's a little bit about my background. No, I don't, I don't think you're unique at all. I actually think a lot of firefighters would agree with you. Uh, you know, I know I do. I, I love what we do here um, in our city. And we actually... It's probably the one time a year in which uh, firefighters from throughout the area, not just not just my Dayton guys and gals, but throughout the the Miami Valley area, all kind of come really to Dayton and and just partake and and it's almost really like uh, a kind of reunion of sorts at this point, uh, seeing all everybody come in. So now that is uh, I I know I will never work a St. Patty's Day in my career. It won't happen. <laughs> I hear you. If you I've worked about every other holiday, St. Patty's yeah. Day. Exactly, exactly. If you've ever had the uh, the opportunity to get up to uh, New York City for their for their bash as well, that's quite an experience. I would recommend that you do it at least once on your bucket list. No, that sounds good. That sounds great. Um, I know Chicago does really well too, and that's well, that's a little bit more realistic for me to get to probably. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I, I appreciate it. I, I'm so looking forward to actually uh, seeing you in my neck of the woods this this coming October. Um, again, thank you so much, everybody. Todd LaDuke, uh, Life Scan Wellness. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you and uh, meeting uh, all the attendees as well and having a great uh, discussion. All right. Well, I'll see you soon, Todd. Thank you. Thank you.